Hello, this is Edgar Papke. And this is Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. We're coming live from the Innovation Center in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. Morning, Edgar. Good morning, and welcome to the conversation about all things alignment at work, at home, in all aspects of life. Alignment, the great predictor of success. Both personal and professional. Yes, by whatever definition it may take. What it is that we seek and how we bring it to life is it's, it's all about alignment at the end of the day. So, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day indeed. Um, we have an appropriate topic here today, Edgar, for us to discuss regarding alignment and love and the third element. Uh, the third element. Focusing on the, the third element is to understand that the first two elements uh, the, uh, are the two most precious things in our lives, which are love and time. And love and time also present us, at least as far as I can tell throughout the history of humankind, present us with the greatest tension and conflict in our lives, which is just simply how do we spend time or how do we live love to the fullest in the time that we have? And how do we spend time with those that matter most to us? So, Edgar, as you talk about the relationship between time and love, um, you have a wonderful YouTube that talks about the third element, and you have a little graph in the background in that YouTube. And, you know, will you share uh, with our listeners a little bit of that um, sense of where time and love begin in your life and how those, how those relationships, the relationship between those two things changes over time? Yeah, the graph itself represents uh, two axes. One is uh, time and the other is love. And the idea is, uh, is, is quite simple, yet uh, like a lot of things in life that are simple, is, is I find to be pretty powerful. And that is that as, as we move through life, early on in life, we, have, uh, we come into the world and we have a limited number of love relationships, primarily parents, family, uh, the people that are closest to us early on in life. And we probably don't, at least as far as I can remember in my childhood, we don't think a whole lot about time and love. And then as we move through life, the number of love relationships begin to expand, which is the other axis on the graph, which is love. And so the number of love relationships begin to increase and the depth and the quality of love in those relationships begins to increase. And as we move through life, what we find is that our capability for love expands. And it is, in fact, we discover at some point in life that it's infinite, that our ability to love and our desire and ability to be loved is, is boundless. Well, what happens to us as we move through life is that as the love as love relationships expand and our capability for love is infinite, time is not. Time is the constant, and as love expands, the experience that we have as human beings is that as love expands, time contracts. And through that lens, we find the significance of the third element, which is alignment. And alignment at the core is the power that we have to make decisions, the power that we have to make choices about what matters to us most and how we manifest that in our lives. And in all my relationships and coaching leaders and working with clients over the past 30 years, 
So that at the end of the day, that's the conversation. That's the conversation that we inevitably land on, which is how does one how does one live love to the fullest in the time that we have? Yeah, you know, we Edgar in the in the innovation center we have uh, love in our definition of innovation mm-hmm. because it's a it's a pivot point for your decisions, just like you talk about alignment. That third element of alignment is is where you can make decisions to live love to the fullest. Mm-hmm. So as we're out working with businesses uh, or in our executive education program, the one thing we usually get back to is the decision points when people have to make them and their ability to execute on an aligned decision mm-hmm. is really the, the make or break for for an organization's expanding success. Mm. Yeah. I'm trying to pick those words carefully because you can be successful out of alignment. And so many businesses operate out of force. So many of us individually operate out of force, myself included. Um, but, you know, in those moments when I when I am trying to think deeply about you know, my relationships, the love in my life, and make my decisions around it. Um, it, it sounds so easy. It sounds so easy when you say it, but it's difficult in execution. Where, where does that difficulty come from? Yeah. The difficulty uh, at the end of it, if you strip everything away from it, comes from fear. And the uh, fear of not being able to in my relationships, in my life, the things that that matter most to me. And I do think that there is different levels of alignment that we can engage in or different paths of alignment so that in a business context, we can make decisions about what we want from the business that may in fact test us and be out of alignment with who we really are at the core. And I think that's one of the aspects of business and being a business leader that is sometimes very difficult and it's very difficult to, to navigate that. So we're put in situations where we need to make decisions. We need to make choices. And then at the end of the day, the reflection is, am I really being true to myself? Am I being in alignment to my values, my beliefs, and my le- my desired legacy and who I want to be? And so I think at times what happens, and I, and I think this happens in, in all all paths of relationship is that we'll sometimes believe that we're making the right choice in the moment without looking at the uh, at the broader perspective. I think there's times that we make decisions and make choices that in the moment we feel forced to make when in fact we're not. When we look at the power of individual choice that we all have, we can claim to be threatened. We can cl- claim to be forced. At the end of the day, the choice is ours. Uh, that power of choice is the most powerful thing that we have in our lives and the power to choose whether I'm in alignment with myself or not becomes key to that. And so it's a really great question that you're asking. So what is it? And I think at the end of the day, it's a matter of confronting our fears and then making the choices, making making decisions on what paths to take that are most in alignment with ourselves. There's an interesting aspect of this alignment in the idea of love. If you look at if you look at um, 
spirituality and through all the different lenses that we can look at spirituality through. At the end of the day, spirituality informs us as to what's right and wrong. It becomes our moral or ethical compass. And how aligned am I to that, to that spiritual compass that I hold and my own sense of, of being? And that's where love comes comes into the picture in a very powerful way because at the end of the day, I need to find some path to, to self-love, to be able to be accepting of self and not to be blaming of self, not to be angry at myself or disappointed in myself and the, and the choices that I make. Because when we think about love, what we're really talking about is acceptance of one another as human beings and deep love is, or unconditional love is the ability to look at someone else and say, I accept you for who you are. And self-love then is the ability to accept oneself, accept myself for who I am. And that's uh, the fear that comes along with not being able to do that, I think is, is well, it's a kind of a, probably an overused term, but it goes pretty deep. It's very, very intimate to oneself. So, uh, you know, Edgar, so much comes to my mind right now. I'll share, I'll share some, some stories with you. So, um, in, in all its glam, uh, all its glamorous cheesiness, my wife and I had our first, uh, quote unquote date on Valentine's day, 24 years ago. And, and this is a, uh, a story that I love, um, after the Super Bowl, which just happened to have happened yesterday, but years ago it was earlier than this, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, earlier in the year. And we were at a, we were in graduate school, and a bunch of us from, from our department got together to watch the Super Bowl, and we thought there would be wisdom there for us all to start running together. So um, five or six of us started to run together that week. And within, a, within three or four weeks, the only people left running were Amy and I, Amy and me. And um, we used to run between classes. And so we would run and then we go to the respective locker rooms and we change our clothes and we grab something to eat before we went back to class in this little cafe in one of the academic buildings. And, uh, you know, we were just waiting in line to get, to get something to eat before we went to class. And I said, hey, you know, what are you doing Saturday night? Um. Honestly, not a conscious, I wasn't paying attention to that choice I made there because she looked at me and she tilted her head a little bit and she said, oh, and I was like, (laughs) I didn't realize it was Valentine's Day. (laughs) She swears I did, but honestly, I didn't. I don't even remember what I was going to ask after that sentence because the story's just gotten told and retold over the years. But, um, you know, she said, "I I have plans with my friend Benny. And so she said, but you should come along, <laughs> right? So on Valentine's Day, I got to be third wheel wow, or what I thought was third wheel. And then, you know, after uh, dinner in this, you know, wonderfully, uh, wonderful little family-owned Italian restaurant, Angotti's in Syracuse, New York, um, Benny wanted to go out. And, and Amy and I said, yeah, we don't really want to go out. And so we uh, sat and talked. And she, she makes a joke about this one because she calls it the interview. And so I, at that point in my life, was a little um, tired 
of the finding out if I could be myself and waiting for someone to decide whether or not they love me, right? Getting to that point uh-huh. of unconditional love. So she calls it the interview because for about 45 minutes, I just asked her all the questions that I thought were important to me at the time to see where her answers were so I could make a decision right then and there. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Gonna, gonna, I'll, I'll know now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got all the... I got all the questions out of the way, you know, if she wanted to be married and have kids and religious views and political views, and uh-huh. I just, just got them all right there. Yeah. <laughs> Why waste time? Why waste time, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Uh, one of the things about th- that I find so, um, yeah, so interesting about love is how we develop relationships. And there's this uh, way of describing, we say that we build a relationship, we build it. And, uh, I like to, in couples retreats, I talk about the difference between building and unfolding. So the idea of intimacy and as you unfold and as we unfold in relationships, much like we unfold to ourselves in, in life as we discover ourselves and our you know, paths to alignment. When you, when you build something, the way I, I, I think about it is, and I'm probably wrong about this, but when you build something, you have a general tendency is uh, you have a fear of knocking it over or breaking it. Um, when you build something, you build it, and you don't want to disturb it. You want to leave it the way it is. And I think that can happen in relationships. And it's uh, I like to use the analogy of, of the Jenga blocks. Um, what happens when you keep poking at the, the tower of Jenga blocks is you're trying to get it as, ta- as high as you can, and sooner or later what happens is you want you want to keep your hands off of it. You just want to stop. You, you want to stop. And relationships, I think, are better served if we think of them as unfolding. Um, if you really want to see what's in the tower, you want to see what's in the Jenga blocks, you got to knock it over. you got to see what's in it. And I do believe that life unfolds for us. And as it unfolds in relationships, we find uh, greater levels of intimacy of vulnerability, we unfold to one another. We don't build, we don't build walls. We actually look to make sure that the walls don't get in the way. And when the wall does appear in a relationship, it's time to, to, to in a way, intentionally at times, knock it, knock it down. Or take out a block and peek and take a look at what's really going on in there. And so the idea of unfolding a relationship speaks to that vulnerability and as we unfold. As we unfold, we, I, I believe we come more open to the different choices that we have and we're able to better identify how we are living in alignment or where the misalignments are. Sometimes we become rigid to hold on that which is misaligned. So this openness and closeness, I think, is an interesting conversation um, to add in here. I want to come back. I, I, you know, I shared that story because while in hindsight it sounds like I knew exactly what I was doing, <laughs> It just happened. Like there wasn't a there wasn't a cognitive moment where I made a choice or a decision to have that interview with with Amy or even what questions to ask. Um, they were more curiosity um, in getting setting the stage to do that. And I I remember one of the turning points in our relationship really was um, to your point about knocking over the Jenga tower. Uh, how we recovered from our first major argument. 
And I, I just have a vivid memory of, of that. And I'm trying as a father now, I realize one of the most powerful things that I do is go and apologize to my children when I do something that I really didn't think fully through. Yeah. And that's a, wow, there's a lot in that. One of the dynamics in it is around a, a well, of course, you, you're you seeking with your child. With our children, we, we seek alignment um, because we're looking for that that unconditional love. And we want to manifest that and demonstrate that um, and to be able to do that. There's also that piece of it that when we apologize, I think there is a piece of alignment to self and going back to values, beliefs, who I really want to be. How do I show up? <coughs> Excuse me. And my ability to do that. And so, as I think most most people in our audience would recognize the idea that when I when I offer an apology, I'm seeking self-forgiveness. So we're back to the idea of seeking self-acceptance. That um, I want to accept myself for who I am and the things that I do and what my true being is about and align to that. Yeah. So uh, opinion question for you. I got a lot of those. So. Yeah, well, good. I mean, that's what, you know, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and draw <laughs> some out. Years ago, I got to see um, at one of the conferences I was well, at. I thought we were getting ready for the movie reference. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Those just come. I don't okay. know when they're coming. I don't know which one it's going to be, but we'll see when it, when it flies out. <laughs> um, years ago, I was at a conference, and the keynote speaker was uh, uh, former president of Goucher College, uh, Jose Antonio Bowen, and he uh, presented a large amount of data. And the data was that uh, as, far as, as far back as they have tracked, mm -hmm. college students are having less sex than ever before. And so... I want to get to this openness, closeness question, you know, uh, with the advent of social media and, and we all have our phones and you know, my, my oldest was home from college this weekend and they spent so much time on the phone, on TikTok and, mm -hmm. you know, flooded with information, right? but somewhat um, closed because it's, it's so, it's just engages themselves mm -hmm. in one other point. And so, you know, as, as, a, as a dad, I really get nervous about my children's ability to make relationships. So, you know, you, you, we started this conversation with your graph of, of love and time. Right. And you have a small number of love relationships early on in time, and those expand over time. And then time runs out. Yeah. Just That's as you figured out how to be as open and loving as possible, perhaps. Right. So... I guess my question is, this is the opinion question, do you think that if it's taking longer for people to have an openness to love relationships, so they're further along that timeline, mm -hmm. um, w what difference will that make? What difference will that make not only for personal relationships, but for professional relationships, for businesses? Well, that's a really interesting question. As I think about it, I'm not sure if I have an opinion of that. The immediate thought, the immediate thought that comes to my mind is that perhaps we're looking for greater levels of trust, uh, that we're 
seeking greater levels of intimacy. So much of our, the existence is in social media and all the different ways that we communicate. And one of the questions, one of the questions that came up recently in a conversation in a, with a, uh, a group of CEOs was um, whether or not uh, social media can, could be used to develop greater levels of intimacy. Yeah. In other words, we're more willing to share information through social media, and therefore we become perhaps a little bit more uh, picky in how we go about uh, finding ourselves in more intimate relationships, including physically, sexually. Um, I, I really don't know what the answer to that question is because there's so many, I think there's so many different ways to look at it. It would be really interesting to find out. Um, but I suppose we have to ask our kids, ask younger people what, what, what that's about. Uh, yeah. It's just a, a question I had. All right, here's the movie reference, and I had I had had this one in my mind as we began, but I'm not 100% positive. I wasn't 100% positive that it mattered so much. The um, the John Hughes 16 Candles movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So so you know there's so much in there, and I think everybody's going to say I'm going to, you know, I'm going that Molly Ringwald finds finds the character named Jake, and you know she's uh, pining after him and, and chasing him and realizing eventually that she can be herself and that he's not who she thought he was either. Uh-huh. But um, you know, I think that's the easy one. I, I think the other ones are the sub-characters in that movie, uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character, as he's trying himself on <laughs> through that adolescent period and then trying to figure out who he really is. You know, and ends up in a relationship that was unforeseen, un unplanned. Right, um, like the significant events in in life are not foreseen. Those exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and falling in love is certainly like that, isn't it? Yeah, I, uh, young at the time, Lori, uh, my wife Lori was fifteen when we first met, and I just, um, yeah, first time I saw her, boom, that was it. I wouldn't have never expected it, especially not that young. I mean, everything else was, I could easily identify why everything else was quote-unquote puppy love or just, you know, going through the motions of the adolescent pursuits of of uh, the opposite gender. But yeah. Well, yeah, it's, you don't quite expect it. You don't quite expect it to show up when it does. Yeah. And I think that's one of the marvelous things about love is to be open to it. Yeah, that's uh, another question, Edgar, this openness versus closeness. You know, the pandemic uh, is bringing so much to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a you know, bubbling frustration of some sense. You know, we just, we just uh, stopped our mass mandates in, in most places here locally. Um, right. And, and uh, it, listen, I mean, we were zero to 100. People were wearing them on Friday in the gym, and on Saturday, no one's wearing them anymore. And I think that's a level of people uh, enough already. I'm frustrated, so uh, I want to be set free. I want something different. But everybody was was really closed off, closed off from family gatherings. I know in my extended family, we canceled. You know, early in 2020, we canceled a family reunion. 
Yeah. Um, and hunkered down, hunkered down for quite a long time. And still have, have that uh, in a lot of instances, uh, being a little bit closed off. Yeah. So when you watch, when you watch the world happen and you're coming from a closed off place, how do you get to that openness and knowing, knowing and feeling and sensing that you're making aligned decisions? Through, I think what you just, what you just brought into the conversation is self-knowledge, self-awareness. How am I responding to the current context? And to be able to do that by, by looking at, understanding our own behavior begins with um, being able to connect our emotion to that behavior. And then through the lens of exploring our emotion, we get to explore our self-concept. And what is it that we're really seeking and what makes us feel whole and what satisfies us? What does fulfillment look like? So I think the idea here is to be able to be conscious and aware of my emotion and how my, how my behavior connects to it. And I, and I think to be able to, to do that and become aligned um, so that I can trust in that, I think becomes key and becomes critical in any context, I think, to really to find happiness and joy, to find satisfaction. So I think it is really about having an idea of why am I feeling the way that I am? What are the choices that that then provides? And do I, how well do I understand my own behavior? Which is also in, especially in love relationships, can be so powerful. Because if I understand my own behavior, which increases my emotional awareness and the awareness of what is, what resides deep in, in, in who I am, my psyche and my heart, as well as my heart. And then to be able to have that level of understanding not only gives us choice, but it also opens up to us understanding others. I think this idea about masking and what's been happening through the pandemic and the choices that people are making, one of the things that we consistently hear over and over and over is the messaging to be open to one another rather than to blame, rather than point fingers, uh, rather to get angry at others for not living in alignment to our value it's or our own perceived values and beliefs, is to be able to be open to them and their behaviors and to understand the behaviors of others. And um, that's true in any love relationship as well, because we are all so unique and so different. So how open are we to the behaviors of others and understanding as we have our those behaviors really is a manifestation, a reflection on how well we're doing it for ourselves. And I think that's important. There's something else in this that you just brought back to mind for me. And that is during the pandemic, I lost my dad, uh, who passed away. And, and um, I'll never forget how difficult it was to work through that he couldn't be with his family. We, we did a Zoom the day before he passed away. And the smile on his face was, was I think, in all my experiences of my dad and his, um, through, uh, through his 89 years of life, at least the years that I knew him, and later on in life, it was the most genuine and loving smile. And it was at a, at a screen, yeah. at a laptop. It was just amazing. 
And I do, what I do recall is that sense of that I wish that everyone could be there with him. I think I knew deep inside that his final moments were, were near. And then the day, the morning he passed away, wanting to go and see him and the restrictions at the hospital wouldn't allow me to get up to his room. And, um, and then seeing him, um, he had passed away and just seeing him lying in the bed in a way it kind of broke my heart that I couldn't have that final moment with him, which I, I, which at end of life is what we all want so much. We, we hear the ideal passing, you know, someone passes away surrounded by family. Yeah. Because I think it reminds us of, of the significance of that, of that moment where really there's nothing, there's nothing else. And when everything is stripped away from us, there's nothing else that we can really hang on to at the end of the day other than, other than love. Yeah. And somehow we can have the belief that love will always be there. It's, it's, it's so powerful. Yeah, you know, my experience, Edgar, um, you know, and that's that time gets shorter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that time is constant and, it, and it's going to run out. Uh, you know, a, a couple things. My, my mother-in-law is in the hospital today. She just went in on Saturday. And my, my wife and her sisters um, are spread out and they're all trying to figure out some things. But, you know, I think one of the conversations is always how long, how much time do we have? And, and that changes, uh, that, that clouds sometimes the ability to make these decisions on love because they get replaced with decisions on logistics. And I, I, you know, I just, we had two, two people pass away during the pandemic, much like your dad. Um, one was, uh, my aunt and I grew up in this wonderful extended family and uh, spent lots and lots of time at, at their house. And, um, you know, my three cousins and my uncle, I think really are, that was one uh, here, you know, close to now. And so we were able to fly back east and, and have a, a semi-normal services and, and mm-hmm. funeral. But the other one was family friends of my wife's family. And they, um, the dad of that family passed away. And it was like a second dad to my wife and her sisters. Um passed away during the pandemic and they waited they waited because that was near the beginning of the pandemic and they waited a little over a year to have a celebration of life in two very different love experiences you know I think the one with the recent passing in the in the in the traditional funeral was one more of the oscillation between love of that person and what does it mean to me? And I know having lost my parents, right? I mean, there's, a, there's an acute awareness that a part of your unconditional love is gone, right? It's not just a human. I, I think it, for me, it was definitely, there were two people in my life mm-hmm. that really, regardless of what I did, loved me. Yeah. And, and when you lose your parents, those things, those things are gone. Or it's easy to feel like those things are gone. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's this oscillation between, you know, what am I losing and your love for that other individual. Yeah. 
And, and I think, you know, I always call it the wave and, you know, especially somebody that hasn't had a lot of experience with, with death. Um, I always call it, you know, how often are the waves coming? And they say, what do you mean? I said, well, here's the thing. You can be okay one minute and not okay the next minute. And you don't know when it's coming, how long it's coming for. Um, and it's, but it's going to come. And, and people say, oh my God, yes, that's exactly what, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And a, and a wave in itself is what causes a wave. You know, question of quantum mechanics and <laughs> how that all works. Well, we do know this, that there's energy, that there's some form of energy that creates that. And energy of the heart or human energy is, is, is powerful. I th- there's something really significant in that story as well. And that is that uh, the idea of uh, um, perhaps losing a source of unconditional love, I think is, in, is an interesting way to, to look at that. I would one of the one of something that shows up in leadership workshops all the time with people that I you know get to work with is the definition of legacy. You know, what is a legacy? And so we've simplified it to this: that um, we come into the world with nothing, we leave with nothing material. The only thing that's left behind is people's interpretation or perspective perspective they have on their relationship to us as an individual. And so the legacy, the legacy, uh, and perhaps that's why we never feel like we never really lose it, is because the legacy that we can, part of our legacy is unconditional love. And how do we, how do we show that and how do we live that? We come into the world with nothing, we leave with nothing. The only thing that's really left is how people see their relationship to us and what it is that we that we gave to that relationship and that's really powerful because then yeah in a physical being the uh, source of the unconditional love is passing it's it's leaving us with the the emotional aspect of it and the deep belief of unconditional love remains and that that just resonates through the rest of our lives. Um, there's, I don't think there's much in life that resonates as much as the sense of being loved. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Edgar, we're coming up on time. Um, yes. We should thank Jim. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Jim Newhaffen's our producer and, and music guy and uh, who sets up all this beautiful, uh, our ability to actually podcast and come to you live. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> it wouldn't be possible without you guys. And thanks for, thanks for the Sunday night text to get us back in, um, back in shape. <laughs> yeah. And I'd like to also, uh, once again, and, I, and we've done this before, and that's a quick shout-out to Nick Smarto and, and the band The Skinny, a Boulder, Colorado-based band, and you hear their music and the intake and outtake of, of every podcast we do, just a bunch of really exceptionally talented players, and we're lucky to be able to share their music with you here. And uh, so, any final thoughts, Ken? Well, I think next week, um, author Jack Russell joins us. Yeah. Yep. You know, and part of this conversation is reminding me of 
you know, I feel sometimes like two beings going through space, um, you know, one in the physical and then one in the mental. Um, they're not always aligned. I try. <laughs> I try hard, I, but I think about it a lot to get them into alignment. Um, and, and Jack, uh, Jack is going to uh, share a little bit of, yeah. of his experience of just that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we look forward to that. Yeah. Um, as always, we welcome your questions. Uh, we'll answer them live on the air when they come in. Right. And also between podcasts, questions, thoughts, comments, anything at all, always welcome as we welcome you to the uh, True Alignment podcast. So We're playing on all the major platforms. You can find it on truealignment.com, Spotify, Apple, Podbean. Where else? Uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon. Uh, I think you made, named all the major ones. And I uh, look forward to that link to uh, the third element video, too, on the show notes for this, this episode. That's great. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. I'm Ken Sagendorf. I'm Edgar Papke. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time around on True Alignment Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>